dear listener. Welcome to Stories from the Atlantic. In the last episode, we heard from Mauni, the Frenchman who moved to the small but growing village of Vik on the south coast of Iceland, having left behind a dark existence in France. If you haven't already heard that episode, I suggest you listen to it first, as it'll give a more full experience of this episode, which will include a bit of cursing. Mauni, living and working in Vik, in a small guesthouse, told me of the people who had helped him become his friends and influenced him. Among them was Grandpa Dave. And he just, you know, didn't care about anything. He was just like this completely free spirit. And uh, so he had talked about how, the way he wanted to die. You know, someday he said, I want to die paragliding in a Superman costume. And he was just missing the Superman costume. Yeah. Grandpa Dave passed away in a paragliding accident by Reynisfjall, a mountain close to Vik, on August 13th. 2017. A few years earlier, Grandpa Dave had taken a paragliding full-time and obviously made a big impression on people in Vik, Mauni included. So uh, it was, I have this tattoo actually that's about him. So these are two runes that say it's M and F because his favorite word was, uh, favorite word was motherfucker and he would just call everybody motherfucker, you motherfucker, all the time. And it was just like his way of like saying friend or something, you know. I'd never heard of Grandpa Dave, but quickly an image was forming in my mind, helped by the descriptions of Mauni, who clarified the seemingly rough exterior of this grey-bearded man who arrived in Vik in his late 60s. He was just very good with people. He had this kind of rough uh, uh, exterior in some way. You know, He was uh, pretty old and had this, this kind of uh, uh, deep voice and... Uh, but he was very, always very friendly, very funny, and you know everybody just got to you know uh, to like him very quickly. Actually, for the last three years, he had spent up to six months a year in Iceland, paragliding and every opportunity in the summer, while spending the winters in South Africa. Among the people closest to him in Vik was Gisli Steiner Johannesson, co-founder of True Adventure, a tandem paragliding tour operator. Along with his girlfriend Sarah, we sat down on a snowy night in Vik last February to talk about David Frederick McCord, a.k.a. Grandpa Dave. His trailer was like tiny, but it was quite often like filled with people and it was always room for everyone playing like rummy cup and, you know, having beer in the end of the day. And quite often he passed out while people were there, so everyone... You know, quite often somebody took the liberty of, you know, putting his blanket on top of him and, you know, making sure he was alive before leaving the place. He had a friend which was nine-year-old girl. They were at war the whole time he was here, you know. It was like balloons filled with water, you know. And it was paragliding pilots. He, one of his friends brought him like whiskey on an airplane, like air dropped the whiskey over Vik. I think it, he had friends from five to 95, I guess. It was no, and he talked to everyone the same, if you know what I mean. Yeah, he was really curious about people and life and stuff. I think that's why he connected so he wasn't pushing himself into people. He was more 
about analyzing and you know maybe giving some input if he could but it was not important for him if you know what i mean from the stories i heard it seemed to me that he was what is often called rough around the edges or in icelandic ekki allra or not for everybody considering his cursing and constantly blasting music from his portable bluetooth speaker but my assumption was wrong no i didn't meet a person that didn't like him that yeah. rough exterior saying motherfucker all the time no 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 actually he was smart about it this is more just in the closed area if he knew people were like religious or something he could you know poke me for you know using bad language so he knew his manners Gisli showed me a video of Dave like the one where he just stands there with a glowing smirking smile on his face moving to the music in anticipation for an upcoming flight this is Dave when he knows he's getting a flight <laughs> and this was the foundation of his time in Vik as for many others to fly in an area more conducive to paragliding due to its topography than most places in Iceland just every day it that was flyable and it's like here in Vik or south coast Iceland it's like it's more than 20 days per month i mean it's quite many days that you can fly maybe in the morning or the afternoon the Reynisfjall mountain offers flying in three wind directions and the black sand beaches below heat up in the sun creating an updraft conditions that grandpa dave used to the utmost any great location for any activity attracts a certain type of people in yosemite national park in california and countless rock climbing meccas around the world it's climbing bums and so in my mind i instinctively wondered if grandpa dave had been a paragliding bum yeah you could say that he was like a flying bum you know he was like for my part kind of careless you know how his decision making and all that stuff was no effort you know it's like he was just yeah playing around Fucking weather. It's rain for the next two fucking weeks. Fuck. <laughs> flying was such an important thing to Grandpa Dave that not flying could get to him, cursing a rainy forecast in a location that is on average the wettest part of the country. But flying wasn't the only thing that Grandpa Dave did. There were hobbies or passions like tennis. His serves was so fast it was no way to, you know, you know, I couldn't do anything. I was just avoiding the ball and I got some bruises after it. It was unbelievably fast. He's a he was a great tennis player. And also he was into golf and really competitive guy. Yeah. This is him. Come on, no legs. There were videos of Grandpa Dave golfing in Vik, dressed up in a pretty mad hybrid of colors while still being very well dressed. His style and demeanor, somewhere between Happy Gilmore and a 1920s Scottish golf outfit. Always with a nice outfit. <laughs> he was a colorful character who lived his life in an unconventional way, but also somewhat recklessly when it came to flying. He was uh, really a 
scary student and I'm happy that I didn't you know he was careless before he started to fly so you can imagine he was always but somehow he was crashing a lot but he always stood up from it it's not common that people are hurting themselves in the beginning they're like careful and stuff but he was like yeah you can hear a lot of those stories from his friends he crashed more often than most, often taking chances beyond his ability, but somehow managed to walk away unharmed most of the time. His last flight resulted in his death, and there are thoughts on what might have happened, although there's inevitably an uncertainty. A challenging flight maneuver and tiredness from partying the night before are part of the equation of Grandpa Dave's death. But the memories of him come from his life lived, some kept in videos, like the one of him laying in the grass on a summer night, a completely relaxed and captivating storyteller, a talent that pulled people to him. Just won't let go of him. And uh, the rest of the evening went quite well. <laughs> we clubbed and danced. Next day, I was in. And then that rough, lovable exterior, at least for those that either knew him or appreciate the character that does not shy away from using language that to some is the equivalent of showing up with fireworks to a tea party. I had no idea what he had been like in earlier decades, whether his latter years constituted some sort of change in him towards this seemingly careless old guy who was drawn to adventures and messing around. You have your fucking toolbox <laughs> in this particular town. Now, if you come to Iceland, you must come to this town and you must learn how to pronounce it. It's called Kirkkabaya Kluster. And now that I can say Kirkkabaya Kluster, I'm going to go to Gimli, Manitoba and visit all the Icelanders in Gimli, Manitoba. Hey, I'm in Kirkkabaya Kluster, whatever it is. And it was a great day flying with the boys, the Viking boys. Yeah. Getting a glimpse of Grandpa Dave's time in and around Vik during his last years quickly led to some sort of ideal type in my mind. A man who was outside the box, doing what he loved, but at the same time built a wider, bigger box which had space for the stranger aspects of living. That image was half of it. Yeah, he talks a lot about his daughter and his grandchildren. He has like two and yeah, it was kind of his part. So just being a grandpa and the flying, having adventures. Though he lived near Ottawa in Canada for many decades, building sustainable off-the-grid houses under his own company name, Soulstar, it was in South Africa that his closest family was in the last decade, a place where Grandpa Dave was in some ways rooted for six months of the year. His only daughter, Megan McCord Gray, had migrated to South Africa, where she founded the South African Shark Conservancy in 2007. She runs the conservancy, lives with her two kids, and Mike Gray, her husband for 12 years, who was very close to Grandpa Dave, earning him the nickname FSIL, or Favorite Son-in-Law. I called Megan in South Africa to get a more detailed image of Grandpa Dave, starting with her own childhood. And we grew up... I think in a very unconventional type of lifestyle because my dad was 
a hippie and very much about being back to the land. So, and being all about character building experiences. So we didn't have any electricity or running water or televisions or anything like that. He built us a greenhouse um, in the woods in Canada that, you know, was our home. Um, it was one big room. We also were able to grow our own food in there. And we had a, a dirt fridge um, built into the side of the greenhouse so that we could keep our food cold during winter and summertime. It was an interesting childhood. So it was very stable. We never, we didn't move around very much from that house. Um, but yeah, he was really always about just trying to provide quality, beautifully designed homes for people that were unconventional. There is, of course, never one description that includes all the aspects of a person, but people's focus in life, if clear, does tend to stand out. Just wanting to be his own person and have his own experiences and really was just about experiencing life and being driven by expectations and, and people and convention. That focus on experiences, character-building ones, and on family stayed with him throughout his life and influenced his daughter towards her own passion and work. I was curious about his traveling background before having had a family and whether there was an earlier period to his carefree vagabonding. I think he'd traveled before extensively with some of his, you know, buddies from his youth. Um, strangely enough, you know, despite having been a hippie and like this long-haired, pot-smoking, druggy, rock-listening guy, he ended up going to military college um, <laughs> with a couple of his close friends, I think because it was his parents sort of wanted him to do it and he thought he'd kowtow to them a little bit, but then he dropped out, well, he got kicked out of military college and then did a little bit more traveling to the Canary Islands and around Northern Africa and stuff like that. When he and my mom had me, he sort of settled down into that dad role and was bound by that for some time. And then he met another lady when I was about 12 that had a son as well. And she, they moved in together and she wanted electricity and running water and those types of things. So he changed to become more um, normal, I guess. There was a dramatic change to that normality around 2007 when he and his spouse split up and he entered a new phase in his life with a new lifestyle. I joked with him that it was his midlife crisis because at that time he embraced this vagabond lifestyle and you know decided he was going to retire and just to just live life on the road. It was it came as a bit of a surprise that he was became such a bum. Uh, or a self-professed vagabond, because um, I'd never really known him as that. So it annoyed me because with it came a lack of responsibility. <laughs> so, and, you know, my life was changing at the same time. So I was having kids and trying to run my life in a certain way and, you know, grow a company myself and, Whenever he was in town, he would live with us for six months, but not really 
contribute a great deal to the overall running of a household. So, uh, <laughs> so that kind of drove me batshit, to be honest. Um, but the rest of it, you know, I, it's great. I think, like, I quite envy that lifestyle in a way. With a certain kind of split from his earlier life, not changing as a person, but more how that person lived life, wasn't without challenges for those close to him. But for those who only knew him as the old vagabond, Grandpa Dave, the image was perhaps lacking a certain dimension to it. They sort of, in my mind, had him on a pedestal. So they, they didn't have a history with him. And they didn't have all those previous experiences that the rest of our friends and family members and things did, where, you know, he was a human like anyone else and he had faults and he had issues and there was shit that came with that. Um, whereas the guys in Iceland just saw this, this adventuring old guy who was living life and didn't have any baggage. You know, the dad that they knew, the, the Dave that they knew was very different to the Dave that the rest of us knew. The thing about my dad was that family was always first and foremost, you know, despite the sometimes strange way that he'd go around expressing it <laughs> to those of us who were living with him or closest to him. Um, it was always very obvious that, you know, especially if his grandkids were, um, were sort of his world. I asked Megan how her father had spent his days while in South Africa. Morning tennis, afternoon paragliding, late afternoon beer and scotch. Grandpa Dave, David Frederick McCord, was 69 when he died. For the last years, Megan says there were signs of a certain kind of tiredness in her father. Many indications that he was getting a little bit tired. Um, of sort of being homeless in some ways, I guess you'd say. Like, he always longed for the adventure. But in my mind, I think that he knew he was coming quite close to the end of his life. Um, and he would have preferred, both financially as well as emotionally, to stay in South Africa if he could have. In spite of him not getting more time in life, be it to settle down or continue the adventure, his life did in some way end as he wanted. So that would have been a good age for him to die. He always said he wanted to die either having sex or being, being adventurous. So for 69, he would have been pleased with that number. <laughs> and when it comes to his legacy and what importance his life had, this is what Megan thought stood out. Connecting people from around the world and, uh, you know, bringing people together who come from very different backgrounds and lifestyles and just ways of being and, and making us all feel quite passionate about him and about that kind of lifestyle. So I'm just grateful that everybody got to experience that um, and that I've had the opportunity to experience some of the incredible people that um, and the, through the bridges that he forged. Having connected people from all around the world and from different backgrounds and making them passionate about what they do, I'd call that one hell of a legacy. And his legacy has found various outlets after his death, including the stories and memories shared by those who knew him. One such, honoring his legacy, 
is the website grandpa.is. That's grandpa with an M, a misspelling that comes from a story where a friend of Dave wrote the following on the side of an abandoned army station near Vik. Grandpa Dave is a dickhead, two Ks. To which Grandpa Dave replied in writing, the only dickhead is the dickhead who can't spell dickhead. The memory of Grandpa Dave, based on his lifestyle, looks, character and the stories from his friends, conjure up various images, a solid foundation for a beautiful film script. I envision a scene from the inside of a rental car, driven along Reynisfjall Mountain, where Grandpa Dave used to fly, and a couple on their way to a must-see tourist destination. Their conversation, with music in the background, is about someone they know, who has recently stopped following the guidelines of their role, perhaps as father, husband, employee, grandfather, having zoned out of the rat race, stopped giving a flying fuck. The conversation swings between condemnation, envy, and curiosity of such a change in lifestyle. Camera swings between them, first-person angle, as their faces reveals their opinion, while also glancing out at the green, grassy landscape around them. Suddenly we look up to the sky, where hundreds of white-winged fulmars are gliding in the south coast updraft above a black sand beach. Camera starts slowly zooming in, revealing among the birds, Grandpa Dave, paragliding. And as the conversation of the couple's traditional ideals fades out, we hear the music blasting from Grandpa Dave's portable speaker, playing FM Belfast, an Icelandic band he always dreamt of seeing in concert. The scene ends with a close-up of Grandpa Dave, his long grey beard fluttering in the wind, sparkle in his eyes, and a grin on his face. Thanks to Mauni, Gisli Steinar Johannesson, Megan McCord Gray, and FM Belfast for their kind participation in this episode of Stories from the Atlantic. <laughs>